I understand Pastor Chris had planned a Lenten series of sermons, and I know he had a great reason for jumping ahead in the text by preaching on this text from Matthew today. I was not privy to his logic, but agreed to preach on this text. Um, some of you know that I will agree to preach thinking the scripture text is one thing when it is not. That has happened again today. When I heard Matthew 27, I thought I would be preaching on the Great Commission. You know, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Nope, that's chapter 28. <laughs> I probably don't have to give you a spoiler alert about Matthew 27. You all know that Jesus dies. But that is not the end of the story. So please stand if you are able for the reading of this gospel text. Matthew 27, verses 45 through 56. Listen for the word of the Lord. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And about three o'clock, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Elio, Elio, lama sabachthani. That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, this man is calling for Elijah. At once, one of them ran and got a sponge, filled it with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it to him to drink. But the other said, wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to save him. Then Jesus cried again with a loud voice and breathed his last. At that moment, the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. The earth shook and the rocks were split. The tombs were also opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. After his resurrection, they came out of the tombs and entered the holy city and appeared to many. Now when the centurion and those with him, who were keeping watch over Jesus, saw the earthquake and what took place, they were terrified and said, Truly this man was God's son. Many women were there also, looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Among them were Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Joseph, and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. Friends, the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You could be seated. So the 27th chapter of Matthew sends us on a wild ride. It begins with the trial of Jesus. It ends with Jesus' burial. What follows in chapter 28 is the empty tomb, the resurrection, the Great Commission, and one of the most powerful and comforting phrases in the Bible. I am with you always to the end of the age. And that phrase is appropriate because the middle of chapter 27 is full of heartbreak and we will need comforting. The middle of chapter 27 begins with Judas. Remember that Judas has betrayed Jesus, and all of the disciples have deserted Jesus. The disciples have forsaken Jesus. Judas feels guilty and remorseful and tries to confess to the chief priest and to the elders, but they forsake Judas. According to Matthew, they say, what is that to us? See to it yourself, essentially cursing anyone who betrays an innocent person for money. Judas tosses the 30 pieces of silver to the floor of the temple and leaves. 
he goes and hangs himself. The priests collect the money, but realize they can't put this into the treasury. It's blood money. So they buy a field, a potter's field, the field of blood, where they will bury foreigners. Matthew continues with the trial of Jesus. Pilate, the governor, asked Jesus a political question. Are you the king of the Jews? Jesus responds to Pilate, you say so. The chief priest and the elders then question Jesus, but Jesus doesn't respond. Now Pilate has offered to release a prisoner for the crowd that has gathered. He asked the crowd if they want him to release Barabbas, or do they want him to release Jesus, who is called the Messiah? Pilate's wife is very upset. She learns the truth about Jesus' innocence in a dream, and she tells Pilate not to have anything to do with Jesus. Jesus is innocent. Well, Pilate continues to ask the crowd, who do they want released? The crowd again and again demands the release of Barabbas and shouts, crucify Jesus. Pilate realizes he has a riot going on, and so he says in Matthew, Matthew says that Pilate saw that he could do nothing. So he washed his hands before the crowd and said, I am innocent of this man's blood. See to it yourselves. Pilate then releases Barabbas, flogs Jesus, and then hands Jesus over to be crucified. Pilate forsakes Jesus. Pilate's soldiers take Jesus away. They, wrap his they swap his clothes for a scarlet robe. They force a crown of thorns on him. They spit on him. They beat him. And they mock him. Matthew goes on to say that after mocking him, they stripped him of the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. Respect and human decency have been forsaken. Jesus' suffering continues. The soldiers force someone to help carry his cross up to Calvary. And in an act that might be construed as kindness, the soldiers offer Jesus some wine to drink. The wine would dull the pain, but Jesus refuses. Both the Gospel of Mark and the Gospel of Matthew report this offering and refusal. It is important to the narrative to show that Jesus accepted the pain of his death fully. Kindness has been forsaken. Matthew 27, verse 33 calmly states, And when they had crucified him, a matter-of-fact recitation about putting the Son of God on a cross to die an awful death. The soldiers divide up Jesus' clothes, sit down, and wait to watch him die. They hang a sign over his head. This is Jesus, King of the Jews. That was the charge against him, treason against Roman rule, forsaken by the government. Matthew tells us the crowd crucified two criminals along with Jesus. While hanging on the cross, Jesus is mocked and ridiculed. The crowd urges him to prove that he is the Son of God. Save yourself. Come down from the cross. Let God deliver you now. Even the two criminals mock Jesus. Everyone 
has forsaken Jesus. So up to this point, Matthew has been succinct and matter-of-fact, but now he gets specific in the text for today. From noon on, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And then Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? This phrase is a direct quote from Psalm 22, the first verse. My study Bible says Psalm 22 is a prayer of a person abandoned by God, an individual lament. So, divine abandonment? Some of the people watching heard Jesus, and they think he's calling for Elijah, and someone gets a stick and puts that wine-soaked sponge on it and tries to give it to Jesus. But the others stop this. They want to see if Elijah will come and save Jesus. Jesus cries out again. Matthew doesn't tell us what he cries out this time. And then Matthew calmly states, he breathed his last, forsaken by God. Jesus, the Son of God, accepts his death penalty and is executed as a common criminal. Jesus, the Son of Man, identifies with every person who has ever felt God's absence at the moments of deepest need. Jesus dies in agony, alone, forsaken by God. But was Jesus forsaken by God? Matthew says that suddenly the curtain in front of the temple is ripped in half, the earth shakes, rocks were split, and it doesn't stop there. The tombs opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. That doesn't sound like God has forsaken Jesus, does it? Verse 53 states, After his resurrection, they came out of the holy city and appeared to many. What? Others were resurrected too? The centurion, the soldiers, and all those with him saw the earthquake, the rocks split, the saints rise, and they were terrified. And at this point, I want to say, yay, something bad has happened to someone else. If you can consider being terrified as bad, probably not in this context. But the centurion and the soldiers and everyone now believe that Jesus is the Son of God. It just took death, an earthquake, rocks splitting, and the dead rising. So the text for today finishes with a statement that many women were there looking on from a distance. They had followed Jesus from Galilee and had provided for him. Matthew lists who those women were, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph and Jesus and the mother of the sons of Zebedee. The disciples, the men, had forsaken Jesus, but the women had not. They traveled from Galilee, and they ministered to Jesus, and they served Jesus. And most importantly, they did not forsake him. So I looked up forsaken in dictionary.com, and it defines forsaken as to quit or leave entirely, to abandon, desert, or to give up or renounce, like a habit or a way of life. Forsaken. We are in the season of Lent, the time of preparation for the resurrection of Jesus. Ash Wednesday is the first day of Lent. 
This year, Ash Wednesday fell on February 14th. And on this Ash Wednesday, a young man, 19 years old, walked into the Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida, and opened fire with a semi-automatic weapon. Anderson Cooper, reporting live that evening for CNN, stated that Parkland is the newest point on a tear-stained map. Cooper went on to name others on that map, Las Vegas, Sutherland Springs, Charleston, Columbine, Oak Creek, Newtown. And in that same report, Cooper describes Parkland as a town of vigils, drawing thousands together. He said, in Parkland tonight, there are points of light shining in the darkness. Before the gunman was captured, he killed 17 people, ranging in age from 14 to 49. He injured 14 more. He killed three adults and 14 young people. He traumatized more people than I want to count. Did God forsake them? The Holocaust. Genocide in too many countries to name. Senseless shootings. Senseless school shootings. Terrorist bombings. Hunger. Poverty. Disease. Death on a cross. Has God forsaken us? No. God is right here in the witness of Scripture in our stories of faith. What is in this story of faith, according to Melinda Quivick, and I quote her here, she says, this story is a proclamation of faith. From it, we receive the face of God in the midst of dissolution. It is a face of resignation and deep comprehension. Human beings are sinners. Thankfully, sinners saved by grace. Quibbit goes on to say that the failings of the people who create this abomination and that of all victimization in human history is known intimately by God. God knows the pain of victims. Those who suffer without rescuers, those who are tormented and never defended, those who are counted as nothing, those who are mocked and tortured, all these are the ones whose lives Jesus takes on himself in this great story of faith. Jesus saves others by not saving himself. God has not forsaken Jesus. God has not forsaken us. God was right there. God is right here, doing what God does best, suffering, sacrificing, bearing all that cannot be borne. To all who ask, out of unimaginable pain, if God has forsaken us, the answer of faith is that God is doing what God does best, suffering. Because God suffers, because God bleeds and dies, God also rises in the resurrection of his Son. Humanity has done its worst, but what humans intended for evil, God intended for good, echoing an earlier story in the Bible. The way of the cross 
is none other than the way of life and peace. Spoiler alert, the story is not over. We are not forsaken. I am with you always to the end of the age. Amen.